0: Hello and welcome to the breakdown. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Abhishek Rakeja and it's great to have you again. Today we'll be talking about the BJP manifesto, and I know some of you will say that this episode was meant to come out at the end of last week. However, I decided to fall under the weather, ridden with the flu, and so. This will be sort of an accidental tribute to the BJP manifesto, which also came out late. Anyway, we'll get into it. You know, the BJP manifesto calls itself the Sankal Patra and the Prime Minister said that together, let us work towards building a strong and inclusive India whose citizens are assured of dignity, prosperity, security and opportunity. We'll see how strong his India is. We'll see how inclusive his India is and we'll see how dignified his India is. So let's get to it. Come on, चाहिए या क्या चाहिए come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come And that, if you didn't gather, was not the official anthem of the BJP. It might as well be. It was, however, a BJP politician in Mehrat who decided that the best way to sell the party's promises this election season was well to just rap the same lyric over and over again. Anyway, we'll get into the manifesto now. So the BJP manifesto doesn't actually call itself a manifesto. It calls itself the Sankal Patra. I don't know, maybe they're trying to pander to someone. Anyway, we'll let them get away with that. Um, It has around 12 substantive parts, and that's how the promises are divided. And it starts with three separate messages. The first one's from the Prime Minister, Mr. Modi himself and then from the BJP National President Amit Shah, and then from the Home Minister as well as the person who was responsible for the compilation of this manifesto, Mr. Rajnath Singh. Before we get into the substantive parts of this manifesto and discuss various promises, it's worth pointing out that there has been little to no effort spent on proofreading and editing this manifesto. And the BJP should fire anyone, if at all, proofread this. Because the table of contents, first of all, is not very accurate. Page number five in the table of contents is supposed to be a letter to 130 crore Indians from PM Sri Narendra Modi in their own words. However, that actually appears on page number three. It's a small thing, but these small errors actually can be quite embarrassing for the BJP. One such instance is on page 32, where the BJP is talking about women empowerment. And point number 11 actually reads, We have constituted the women's security division in the Home Ministry and have made strict provisions for transferring the laws in order to commit crimes against women. I don't think they quite met that. And if they did, that also raises some questions against the people who've written this manifesto. For the time being, you know, it's quite embarrassing for the BJP to have these errors through the manifesto. Anyway, you know, we leave them to that. We'll come to the manifesto itself. As I said, it has 12 different parts, but the part where they've laid the most focus on is national security paradigm of the country. And they've started the manifesto by obviously saying that they will maintain a zero tolerance approach to terrorism. Kind of find the zero tolerance approach to terrorism a bit of a funny term because... I don't think any government in the world would say that they don't have a zero tolerance approach to things like terrorism. And they say that their um, security doctrine and their national security posture has been exemplified by the recent airstrikes in Balakot in the wake of the attack in Pulwama, as well as the surgical strikes um, in Pakistani-occupied Kashmir a few years ago in the wake of the attack in Uri. And they say that they would continue to give a free hand to security forces in combating terrorism. This is a place where I tend to disagree because what giving a free hand to security forces actually looks like is quite different in theory and practice, right? And this is something we discussed last week when we were discussing the Armed Forces Special Powers Act, which has been very liberally used in places like Kashmir. And it has been reported by Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch, both of which are very reputed organizations that the military has used this kind of free hand in places like Kashmir uh, and has committed various human rights violations. So I do think that it is both possible to honor the military, but also, you know, rein them in and have some institutional checks on their power because we don't want people in Kashmir and other areas to get disenfranchised. I believe a continuation of this sort of approach is what the BJP says on the next page about Jammu and Kashmir. And they say that in the last five years, we've made necessary efforts to ensure peace in Kashmir through decisive action and a firm policy. I don't think Kashmir has been that peaceful in the last year. If anything, it's been the most disquiet in kind of the last couple of decades. Also, some would argue that their idea of this firm policy maybe has been too firm at times. So this this is definitely something worth reviewing. And I reiterate that it's both possible to be patriotic as well as have some institutional checks in the army. The most important thing, according to me, in this section is the Citizenship Amendment Bill. To break this down very quickly for you, this is a bill that the BJP wants to enact, uh, which would allow persecuted communities, especially coming from Bangladesh and neighboring parts ...of the country to come seek refuge in India and it provides a safe and a quick way for them to gain citizenship so they can, you know, have a more settled life in the Indian state. Uh, The Northeastern states have been quite unhappy with this proposal because they feel that illegal immigration is something of a problem already and this kind of provides a legal pathway... For illegal immigrants to find citizenship in India. However, I have a greater problem with this. And that's the problem of religious prejudice. According to the BJP's own manifesto on point number 12. The last point reads. Hindus, Jains, Buddhists and Sikhs. Escaping persecution from India's neighboring countries. Will be given citizenship in India. Perfect. However, this very obviously excludes. Two major communities of this country. Muslims and Christians. And it's a well-known fact that Rohingya Muslims from Myanmar who also seek refuge in places like Pakistan, are now the most persecuted community in the world. In fact, the United Nations have actually justified the treatment of Rohingya Muslims as a as a case of genocide in places like Myanmar. Also, Hamadi Muslims in Pakistan are also very persecuted. So I don't understand why there is this double speak or double standards on this. And this has actually been something which has been reinforced by what Mr. Ahmed Shah said last week, And this is from the official BJP Twitter account when he said that we will ensure implementation of the National Register of Citizens which kind of goes hand in hand with this bill in the entire country. And we will remove every single infiltrator from the country except Buddhists, Hindus and Sikhs. Again, it's it's very glaring that they are trying to exclude certain communities from this and kind of further the divide that we have. Um, I want to leave this to you listeners to decide whether your vision of India is inclusive and it includes all these communities. Or do you buy this kind of paradigm of the BJP where they can quite blatantly, you know, have a prejudiced attitude towards some of these groups? we'll move on. We'll talk about the economy now. The BJP has proposed a very, very ambitious goal about the economy. They've said that they want to make the Indian economy into a $5 trillion economy by 2025. Again, this is a really great goal. You know, it would put a lot of people out of poverty. It would drastically raise living standards. However, the only problem is that this is a really, really far-fetched goal. India's current growth rates of the economy is around 6 or 7 percent. It kind of consistently has been that. Um, And economists have said that to get to this goal of 5 trillion by 2025 and 10 trillion by 2032, India would have to grow at a rate of 10% a year. And I understand that the government can do a lot to make this happen. And there obviously will be a debate on that. But given the fact that the worldwide economy is supposed to slow down later this year, as well as you know some of these factors being out of India's control, I think that this goal is actually quite inconceivable and even far-fetched. So this is something definitely to question. Also, I want to bring up the fact that this simple idea, this linear equation of increasing GDP, Size And automatically expecting that to translate in higher living standards or better jobs for people is not completely true. Because even as India's economy right now has grown to around 7%, you know, unemployment in India is at a 45-year high. And when you look at this manifesto in terms of what it says about unemployment, there's only kind of one line. But it says we will create opportunities of employment by providing more support to the 22 major champion sectors identified in the Indian economy. I don't quite understand what they mean by saying that they will provide more support to these sectors. I mean, in the last line, they've been a little more specific in saying that They would like to tap the potential in places like defense and pharmaceuticals to take whatever opportunities of employment exist there. But the BJP definitely has some glaring questions to answer because one of their main policy proposals in 2014 was this idea that they will create more jobs. So, you know, their preference for growth is fine. However, that has to translate in jobs and you have to keep them in check with that. On a lighter note, and this is the section on the Indian economy... Somehow, promoting yoga globally has also found a place. So I think this is, again, something that the typesetters and editors of this manifesto should be accountable to. The next section is on the farmers. And again, the BJP has an incredibly ambitious goal, where they said that they want to double farmers' income by 2022. And they've said that the Prime Minister embarked on this goal at the start of his last term. It's fair to say, and I don't think a lot of people would disagree, that the Prime Minister has not been successful in meeting this goal because farmers have been greatly distressed through the BJP tenure and the BJP hasn't really promised any sort of minimum crop price which would help farmers and, you know, some Farmer activists like Yogendra Adiv have said that the fact that the BJP hasn't promised any immediate relief to farmers actually plays against the BJP's hand when it comes to the issue of farmers itself. One good point in this manifesto is that the BJP has said that they would provide loans of up to one lakh rupees at zero percent interest for up to five years. So maybe that is a good point for them to hook on to. However, this idea that they want to double farmer's income while they haven't provided any sort of solid solutions to that is definitely something worth scrutinizing. And so don't buy that at face value either. The next section I'd like to discuss is healthcare. And this is a section where the BJP has claimed success with its Ayushman Bharat scheme, where it provided a cover of up to 5 lakh rupees to the bottom 10 crore poor families in this country. And I do consider this as a very positive step in providing universal healthcare coverage throughout India. And this is a goal that a developing economy like ours should have. Because healthcare, education, are these basic services which are directly connected with the growth of the country. So this definitely is an area where they should really concentrate. And they've said that they want to set up these 1,50,000 health and wellness centers by 2022. Uh, However, there's only 17,150 functional at the moment. So they definitely have to pick up some slack on that. Uh, They've also said that they want to create a medical college or post-grad college in every district through public or private participation by 2024. I consider this as quite a far-fetched goal as well. Again, they haven't really said where this money will come from. And, you know, obviously, India will have to meet its fiscal responsibilities as well. So I'd leave that for the economists and the BJP to figure out. Moving on, towards the end of the manifesto, where the BJP has said that they would like to enact the Uniform Civil Code, uh, which is, as it stands, a directive principle of state policy, to quickly break down what the UCC means. It means that No personal laws of religion would then govern all Indian citizens and there would be a common framework under which all Indian citizens would come under. So things like marriage and divorce and, you know, religion and all laws pertaining to that would come under the same framework. I do see that. As a positive step, I do feel that in a liberal country like India, which is also democracy, everyone should be treated equally, irrespective of religion. So I do feel that the uniform civil code uh, would be a step in the right direction. However, there is some contravening stuff on this in the manifesto itself. The first one has to pertain itself with Sabriya Mala, which is in Kerala. But the BJP has been campaigning greatly against the Supreme Court decision to allow menstruating women to enter this temple on their will. And the BJP has said that we will endeavor to secure constitutional protections on issues related to faith and belief. This is kind of hypocritical because they want the Uniform Civil Code to be enacted. And this is also kind of contravening to their stance on things like triple talaq, where they actually push through criminalized triple talaq. And they wanted to stand for the so-called equality of Muslim female counterparts. However, when it comes to the Hindu community, it does seem like they're a little more protective and uh, angsty about it. So, uh, again, this is something BJP should answer. And this is something that you should also take into consideration. There is... A brief double speak when it comes to this issue. We're coming to the end, but I would lastly like to speak about this idea of the Ram Mandir, which appears again in this manifesto. And so, this is a Ram Mandir the BJP endeavours to create in Ayodhya. As it stands, this issue very much lies in the hands of the Supreme Court, and it has to rule on this. But an effective way to frame this issue, first of all, for me, is that why is the creation of the Ram Mandir so central to the ideas of the BJP? I mean, this issue has been in the BJP manifesto for the past two decades. And the other very obvious thing to question here is, if the issue is with the Supreme Court, why is the BJP putting this in the manifesto year after year? I mean, there is no point of precedent for this. I believe this is a very quick way for them to appeal to their base of uh, Hindu nationalists. But again, you know, you should look past this a question, which is quite effective when it comes to the Ram Mandir is how many people will it feed and how many good paying jobs will it create? All right. In the last part of the manifesto, I want to speak about the BJP stance on forest and environment. So while they have said that they want to Reduce the level of pollution in the top 102 most polluted cities in India by 35%. They haven't really offered. How they will go about this goal, and you know what the exact plan is when it comes to this thing. So, there is no real information supplied on that. However, there is a point which says that we've ensured speed and effectiveness in issuing forest and environmental clearances for eligible projects, due to which we've added 9,000 square kilometers to forest cover. If you've sped up the process of issuing these clearances, I don't understand how forest cover can be added. So if there's any environmental experts on the listener list of this show, then please go forward and really explain this to me because I feel this is quite contradictory. They've also said that they want to respect the sentiments of tribal communities in these forests. I, I do hope they maintain that. I want to pause here for a second, because I do have to say that the BJP doesn't seem to have spent enough time and energy in issuing this problem of the environment. I mean, this is only a sort of small section in their manifesto. And I do feel that this requires a lot more length and breadth in discussion. And so I do feel that this manifesto does struggle in that way. Just to sum it up, I see a similar pattern through this manifesto. There is a lot of ambitious goals, including doubling farmers' income, as well as making India a $5 trillion economy. However, I don't see those solutions on the manifesto, on the paper, on the bill. And this is something that you again have to question. Are you happy with the goals that the BJP is proposing? And if you are, uh, are you happy with them not telling you how will they go about it? There are some ambitious goals here for sure. There's also goals which fundamentally question the idea of India that the BJP has. Maybe it's consistent with what you think. And the last thing to say, obviously, is that the proof is very much in the pudding. I'd like to thank you for joining me on the breakdown this week. And I'll join you again soon.